Hello everyone, this is your host Caroline Owen, and thanks for tuning into The Global Perspective, my podcast about all things political, multicultural, and international. This is the 15th episode and the last episode of 2020, titled 2020 Year End Review, Positive Sociopolitical Change and Hopes for 2021. And today, one of my good friends and I are going to be analyzing several important positive political and social events that occurred this year, talk to you about how to remain more connected to global events and culture in the new year, and offer some of our thoughts regarding 2021 and all that we hope it brings. I have a special guest with me today, one of my good friends, Nicolette, who some of you might remember as she actually was the guest for our pilot episode. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience again, Nick? Yes, uh, hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me back on again. My name is Nicolette. I'm a sophomore attending Caroline School. Um, I'm an avid reader, mostly specializing in like reading fiction and fantasy. However, I also find it important to strike a balance between just reading like fantasy worlds and also reading into current events and politics, which are ongoing in our modern world. So I also greatly enjoy engaging in any sort of discussion on these issues, which I find to be of greater importance. Um, So I'm just really happy to be here again today with you, Caroline, so we can talk about them. Of course, Nick. This year, from a personal standpoint, was certainly transformative, and a lot of us had to adapt to new challenges, whether they be learning or, you know, getting along with family better. But even from a political standpoint, this year was really transformative. And even though certainly we all endured a lot of struggle and difficulty in 2020, there were a lot of inspiring political events that happened this year and instances of progress. So today we're going to be discussing a couple of said events. While you probably have heard of them, maybe you didn't think about too intensely or maybe you do remember, but you kind of just want a refresher of some good news that happened this year. So Nick. Do you mind starting us off quickly with your take on our first event? And I think it makes sense to prevent these in chronological order. So we're going to start in May with the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd protests. Okay. So in terms of Black Lives Matter, I'm probably, again, not the best person to ever really speak on these issues just because I'm not personally affected. However, I think it's worth mentioning that um, this movement is absolutely incredible and its ability to kind of persist through these very dark times is like um really um powerful and it speaks to how well young people and the youth and just people of all ages in general can come and mobilize together when they see an issue that they need to directly target um and i know we mentioned this before caroline um before recording um hopefully there will be some resources linked below if you um want to look into more of these specific issues um uh, or possibly like look into donation funds for like bail funds etc yeah so i completely agree and just to add on to what you said there really what we're seeing is the mobilization of young people and these movements, while they did not stem from a positive cause, they have showed to us that the younger generation, particularly people our age, um, you know, we're 15 and 16 and a half, and really, I feel like we're almost kind of hopefully breaking the barrier that is, you're too young to have an opinion, you're too young to make political change, you're too young to know what you want from life. And to some extent it is true, but I think we're seeing... Uh, as maybe you can elaborate on this, really just a greater 
participation of young people in these social movements? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so a lot of this all has been very positive. We're now seeing a lot of social media outreach, and um, it's definitely a huge improvement to what it could have been a year ago in terms of hearing different voices of different backgrounds kind of speaking out about these very important like prevalent issues. I think this new outreach and ability to mobilize on all these different platforms is still incredibly positive and I'm sure we're going to be able to use it um, in an even better way next year. I completely agree and I think the underlying theme that we're seeing here is that with greater education, greater awareness, greater exposure, hopefully in the new year these movements don't die out and people continue to spread information, spread awareness, etc. And, you know, these are all efforts that have been sustained largely, as we said, because of social media. And my hope is that people continue to use it for beneficial ways. So I'd like to move on to our next section, which was protection of LGBTQ rights in the workforce by the Supreme Court ruling that they let out back in June. So Nick, do you want to touch on this briefly and really just describe the impact that this ruling has had on all of us? So um, on June 15th, uh, the SCOTUS rule that um, any LGBTQ plus individual in the workplace would be protected under the Civil Rights Act, um, meaning they could not be um, faced with workers' discrimination and they could not be fired just for being part of the community. So this is incredibly important for, I think, both the community and everyone's um, allies um, and just the entire um, United States right now. Yes, I I totally agree. It's, it's very historic because as we've seen in the last couple of years, the Trump administration has repeatedly tried to repeal efforts to protect LGBTQ individuals and at the least has kind of supported an anti-gay rhetoric, which we've even seen in numerous cases, like the ones that led to this ruling, where uh, individuals were fired by their employers for being gay and had to actually sue and take the case to the Supreme Court. And as disheartening as it is to know that if you are an LGBTQ individual, you need to have the Supreme Court legally reaffirm your right to a safe workplace, the fact that a conservative majority court still ruled in favor of protecting the rights of LGBTQ individuals really is just inspiring. Yes, completely. I think this shows that LGBTQ plus issues are no longer just partisan. People from all sides of the spectrum are coming. That this is something that can no longer be continuing. And um, by this, I'm speaking on regards to discrimination and just the injustices that um, LGBTQ plus um, people have to face on a day-to-day basis. So I think the fact that we got a majority from the Supreme Court shows that um, we're definitely going to be able to push towards even better reforms. I agree. And I think even if you aren't an LGBTQ individual, this ruling is still incredibly historic because the the underlying theme behind this ruling even though you know it may not specifically have impact on your life is that we are seeing 
courts and religious society start to move towards a trend of protecting greater people's rights and human rights to expression and to life. And someday down the road, there might be another uh, an issue or a circumstance that has to be debated by the Supreme Court. And we can just hope that in the future, more of these liberal, more inclusive policies will be supported. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree. For the next, uh, which is certainly, I'd like to think, the most historic of the listed events here, which was Kamala Harris, her nomination as Biden's vice president, uh, running mate, potential vice president in August, and their win in November. Nick, what do you have to say about this? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot, but um, thoughts? Yes. Okay. So I find that this is incredible. Again, we we were able to uh, prove to the world that we were no longer going to stand for an administration which was clearly suppressing the rights of so many people and just acting so harmful to our um, society. So I think the election and the turnout with um, Biden, Kamala, um, becoming our president and vice president elex is definitely a great improvement to what we've been facing for the um, past year, um, especially with Kamala. See, regardless of how I feel about her actual policies or who she is as a person, I think a woman and a woman of color being elected as vice president of the United States for the very first time is so historic and important. And it's something that is definitely paving the way for us to hopefully get maybe a woman or a woman of color in the seat of president in the future. I completely agree with everything you said. All of the points you made were really valid. Um, I, I really think that even if people might say this is not enough progress and maybe it's the most that we could handle, at the moment that our country could sustain at one point. Uh, Maybe, as we saw with the 2016 election, having a woman on the presidential ballot was a bit too uh, forward-thinking. I'm not really sure, but I think, from a personal standpoint, her election, as you said, was just historic. It shows that we are breaking racial and gender barriers, and in a field, you know, American politics, which are typically white and male-dominated, we are starting to see from the ground up building a more representative body that matches the colors and the genders of our country, and I just hope that this is indicative, as I said before, of that upward trend, that future change that just continues and keeps going. Yes, I completely agree. Um, and I think this also speaks well onto the next point you brought up with his cabinet. Of course. Um, since he was announced the winner of the election almost two months ago, Biden has announced almost all of the people he has chosen for his high-level cabinet positions, such as secretaries and heads of departments and uh, chairpersons, etc. So... I believe currently in the uh, higher-level cabinet positions, there are about seven or eight individuals who identify as people of color who are heading very, very high-level positions, including the U.S. Trade Representative, who is Catherine Tai. She's Taiwanese. Uh, Deborah Helland, who uh, who runs the Department of the Interior. Uh, And she is a Native American. And this is significant as her position oversees the maintenance of tribal lands. Actually, her um, 
her, not too talk, too in-depth about it, but her nomination was endorsed and championed for, I believe, by 120 or more tribal officials and several others. I could name them all, um, but the Department of Justice, the Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, Homeland Security, uh, and the Ambassador to the UN are all people of color, and this is just really just amazing to see. Yes, so um, as you had explained to me prior to this, um, 46% of this entire cabinet is supposed, um, not supposed to be, it is about um, all POC or people of color, and about half of them are women. So this is like the largest devotion to diversity since the Clinton administration. And this is incredibly important, especially because we live in the United States, which is supposed to be a democracy in which all voices are supposed to be represented in the government. So this is the first time we're really seeing all these different types of groups and voices in the United States coming together and making up our government and becoming like the true representatives we've kind of lacked in the past. 100%. And not to delve uh, too much into it, but as we were saying before, we're slowly, very slowly, but surely we're seeing American politics begin to become more representative of the country in which we live. And I feel like uh, certainly with Kamala, this kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, These individuals were elected not because of their race or their ethnic background, but because of their credentials. And I feel like it's just so significant to recognize and see that there is a president who believes that people should be elected completely based off of credentials while not uh, choosing their race as a possible factor into whether they are uh, chosen as in a factor that might um, have them be passed over, not to say that it's certainly not important. And even for um, certain individuals, he has stated that he picked them specifically because their racial or ethnic upbringing gives them a greater personal experience that may help them with the position. But in general, we're just seeing, as you said before, this upward trend. So um, do you have any final thoughts on this? Yeah, just as you were saying, I really think that this speaks to our ability to kind of finally become the democracy we promised ourselves we would be back in the foundation of our own country. We're finally kind of getting a chance to represent all the voices or not, if not all, as many as we possibly can at this time, because we're still pushing through all the discrimination we still face to this day. But I think having this going on now in 2020 is going to pave the way for an even better and more diverse maybe cabinet or just position for government officials in the future. Completely. So I'd like to move on to the next historical event that we have listed here. Again, another piece of good news, which is the vaccine. And, you know, neither Nicolette nor I are medical professionals and we don't have a whole lot of information. But uh, what we have seen so far are definitely that the vaccine exists. It's been rolled out uh, in, uh, you know, already in our country and in many countries abroad. We've seen politicians already get it to test that it's safe. And even though it will not be released to the public for several, many more months, quite possibly until actually uh, the end of 2021, what are your Nick, what's your opinion on really what this means in terms of a possible COVID rebound? 
Um, I definitely think that the vaccine and what it promises for us is hopefully a um, stronger outlook in terms of COVID right now and being able to kind of get through it. I know there's a new second strain which is supposed to be spreading, but um, I think nonetheless, this vaccine is something we should kind of um, take in with open arms and excitement, especially once we go through all the other testing which is going through. I know my parents, who are both doctors, have gotten the vaccine already. Um, and so far, so good, I'd say. Okay. This is something that is definitely um, speaks to the, um, the bounds that the scientific world can get to, especially when put under this pressure. So again, I think this is a good time to kind of just thank all the healthcare professionals and any scientists or anyone who is working to kind of protect all the citizens um, under this very difficult time and very scary time. So I think this vaccine hopefully promises us a better future. Completely. And of course, without going into specifics, just from a more ideological standpoint, um, while certainly we are in a more exacerbated position than we could have been in terms of the COVID numbers and rapid spreading within our country, the fact that there is a vaccine at all, uh, relatively early on, actually, is quite inspiring. And of course, we have to reaffirm this is this will not work effectively without proper enforcement of COVID regulations, continuing to wear masks, socially distance, not remain in large groups, not go to parties, etc. Um, as teenagers, certainly we can all do our part because. We don't have added responsibilities that may prevent us from being able to do that. Uh, but really, all of this mindfulness can just help prevent a further, as I said before, exacerbation of this issue. And I think that the vaccine certainly won't uh, solve the issue and won't completely eradicate the virus, nor will it stop the pandemic completely. But it's certainly a, a piece of good news. Mm-hmm. I completely agree, yes. And I'd like to move on quickly to our last segment. This is more of a uh, worldly bit since we've been talking mostly about U.S. affairs. But actually back in January, the Taiwanese Prime Minister Tsai Ing-wen won re-election. And this really is just part of a series of larger wins for democracy and women's rights. So, Nick, do you want to give a little bit of background on the current state of uh, female politicians and their representation in the world? Yes. So, is the first female president of Taiwan. She is one of 29 women worldwide who are currently serving as heads of states, and this is of about 195 recognized territories and countries. And this is just representative of, again, the similar upwards um, trend that we spoke on earlier for um, different positions for both women and people of color to be in power. So I think this is incredible. Completely. And as you said before, um, we're seeing slowly this trend. This is just kind of a another event to add on to that. But we're seeing, as we said before, the trend of inclusion of more people uh, into legal offices and uh, who are being given legal protections under courts and chosen by the people. And let's just hope that these trends continue for 2021. And 
certainly her election represents, as we said before, um, while we don't have a, a whole lot of information on it, uh, just for this episode, I just figured it would be a good idea to mention that this this progress is not only occurring in the U.S., but all over the world in lots of other places. We could mention also other events like Belarus protests, the state of climate change advocacy in Australia and all over the world, especially with the help of Greta Thunberg and other individuals who are championing for change. So we're really just seeing, despite the craziness of this year, people are still working hard to improve it. So that's really just the culmination of this good news. So something else that Nicolette and I want to touch on briefly are ways that you can stay cultured and informed and engaged in 2021. Um, Certainly as we've gone through nearly nine months, I believe, almost 10 of quarantine, we have learned better how to occupy our time and, and busy ourselves, but we still feel like it's really important to make sure that you're doing so in a way that is making sure that you keep up to date with international events because it's really easy to get isolated and stay in kind of a bubble when you don't have to focus on other things. But Nicolette, do you want to touch on briefly some of the ideas we mentioned? Yeah, so in terms of kind of trying to stay up to date, we recommend uh, trying to go on to um, digital programs for news such as like New York Times, CNN, um, Washington Street Journal. I know some of the more... um, like non-biased news places you can get are like Reuters or Associated Press. Um, So all of these um, different websites you can go on to, which are credible, um, will definitely help out. And then you can also go on to watch TV um, news, such as uh, PBS NewsHour um, or news analyst shows, such as um, those um, like on CNN, like Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, or those on like MSNBC, like Rachel Maddow. Again, these always have some bias to them, So it's kind of your job to kind of be able to sort out through what's kind of opinion-based and what's fact. And then you can make your own opinion by kind of watching through different types of um, news sources and different news biases. I totally agree. And I think the easiest way and probably the quickest way is to just use an online newspaper. Um, Definitely, like the easiest way to keep informed definitely would be using an online newspaper a lot of them also have student reduced rates if your family doesn't have a membership and i think i I believe some of them like the washington post give you and certainly new york times also give you a certain number of articles you can read each month without a subscription for free Uh, i definitely agree like you know we've talked about this before in the show it's best to make sure that uh when you read depending on what you're looking for political analysis factual information or a kind of like an overview of world events it's best to make sure you're getting a mix of left right and centrist viewpoints so uh, definitely it's always good to consider kind of the source where your information is coming from and i also recommend when you're looking for world news specifically the cbc which is uh, canada's newspaper one of canada's newspapers and the bbc from britain definitely are great resources because they have very extensive world news sections. So uh, in general, I think they're uh, really easy, easily accessible sources. You can definitely also go on YouTube and find videos, etc. Yes. 
watch out um, if you're going on to um, websites like YouTube sometimes you might get opinions which could be factually incorrect but overall as long as you maintain um, a certain um, lookout for your sources and who's actually giving out the information and making sure that who you're listening to has some sort of credibility and what they're speaking on I think you'll be able to become a lot more well-rounded and um, informed definitely and um Maybe, Nicolette, you can touch on this. I'm not sure if you yourself have done this, but there are a lot of ways to make sure that in the new year, you also just keep yourself busy with some new hobbies. So have you personally picked up anything over quarantine? I mean, in terms of just new hobbies, I learned to knit. Um, I've been practicing. Yeah, I've learned to knit. I've done like stuff like roller skating. I learned to roller skate. And I just try to kept up with um like learning languages like i take french in school but i was practicing french outside of school um and i've started kind of trying to learn albanian which is um something i know some of but not enough of um because i have family in albania that's so i didn't know that that's really interesting um wow honestly just really cool to hear um (laughs) As for me, I'd say the biggest thing I'm starting to get into is learning Portuguese, which I haven't really gotten into much yet, but it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm trying to get back in touch with art and music and things like that. But in general, I mean, certainly language learning is, I feel like, one of the hobbies that has been promoted a lot through Duolingo and Babbel and other apps and such. But um, I think really that it's one of the gifts of... I feel like coming out of quarantine is realizing that there's a lot more freedom in having a lot of free time like we've had during quarantine because, you know, we haven't had the pressure necessarily to fill up all of our time because there is so much of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think hobbies, especially these, which are definitely like productive hobbies, are always really helpful in terms of filling your time in a positive way because with all quarantine going on and all this empty space, it can become a little bit damaging to your mental health if you're just doing nothing all day long. So I think anything you can do, even if it's something really like mindless, like just doing a puzzle, something like that. It's not really a hobby, but it's still something which is somewhat productive and takes up your time and is kind of stimulating. Yeah, definitely. So even what we're seeing is because of all this free time, you have a lot more opportunities to just become cultured, whether it's by reading, listening to something, like I said, learning a new language, even just reading about different cultures or world events. Like, If you want to become more worldly, there are a lot of ways to do it that don't take a lot of time. So um, I definitely think that it's something that is relatively feasible, even when you don't have a lot of free time like during the school year. Um, I think even just with like something like reading, um, although it can be a bit daunting to get enough reading um, in because it is um, like a whole book you have to complete. It seems daunting at times. Um, even if you just like allot yourself maybe like 30 to um, an hour, 30 minutes to an hour in your day, each day for a week, you'll be able to finish, let's say, a book each week. You'll get 52 books in by the end of the year, which is incredible. So like, um, sorry, that's a really weird number I have stuck in my head. But um, even if you just allot yourself some time to kind of engage in any of these hobbies, you'll be able to do something quite on a larger scale by the end of the year once you kind of put it all together. 
100%. And something I've seen a lot too is not necessarily from a, a global culture standpoint, but even just from like an enrichment standpoint is a lot of virtual events that are being continue to be held throughout next year. Um, Nick, do you want to touch on some of those? Yeah, so I definitely know that they're having a lot of concerts going on by different bands or musicians. And uh, most notably, I know because Broadway has been closed, um, they did, they are actually throwing currently a um, new musical, Ratatouille the Musical, which was produced on TikTok, the app. So um, a lot of different virtual events are still continuing. I know museum tours are still also going on. You can just go on even your phone, I think, because I was looking at the Met one day on my phone. It's really interesting. Like you can kind of go and maintain all the experiences you could have had, even if you um, you could have had if quarantine had not happened and um, all virtual for a cheaper price as well. So it's really nice. Completely agree. Um... So I think just before we end the episode, it'd be nice to round out with some of our perspective for next year, possibly some of our thoughts regarding where we hope the social justice movements and political endeavors to go, and really just the mindset that we're entering the new year, which starts tomorrow. In, um, but Nick, what are some of your final thoughts regarding really just everything that's happened in this crazy year? Yeah, so I think overall, um, this year has definitely taught us that even if we have to endure so many negative events in our lives, we'll still be able to persevere and we'll still be able to kind of get through it and make do of our situations. Um, It's just kind of a human condition, but this year has definitely made it um, possible for all of us to understand that even if we're given all these unfortunate circumstances, we're able to kind of continue and make the best out of them. And I know that sounds a little bit... um, cliche but it's definitely something which applies to this year in such um such a profound way so i think we'll be able to make next year an even better year because we'll have hopefully less of these negative circumstances to deal with yeah i think a lot of the maybe emotional and mental aspects that made this year difficult won't really go away but i feel like we're all somewhat better equipped to deal with it now that we've been through our first round of quarantine and really just the the ups and downs of this year and i hope certainly that with all of the political and social uh, events that we discussed today that are all really just indicative of an upward trend as we said before numerous times towards greater freedom and inclusion and promotion of equality that this continues next year and that you know, like with the coronavirus and restrictions and everything, like just because the calendar year number is changing, all of these uh, issues and needs for reform and needs to keep people safe, they don't go away. So I just hope that with the new year, people are still cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of work to do, um, but we can still do it if we put in the effort. Yes. All right, so I think that's a great note to end off on. Um, so as always, feel free to connect with me on Instagram. The podcast account is at Global Perspective Podcast. And please feel free to leave a review or feedback wherever you get your podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And really just thank you to everyone who supported me thus far. It's been an incredible, really fun journey to 
uh, be able to learn how to articulate myself more and getting ideas out that I might not have thought about in the past. Um, but really, just if you're listening in 2020, thank you for all of the support. It means the world to me and Happy New Year. If you're listening in 2021, let's hope it gets better. And the Global Perspective Podcast will return in January with new, tons of new content for season two with regular uploads of one time per month. So to everyone, thank you. Happy New Year. And I'll see you with season two in 2021. Signing off, I'm Caroline Owen with the Global Perspective Podcast.